0: the sticky stuff we step on going about our day? Does it have anything to do with what's stuck underneath the desks at school? Actually not, it's a common misconception and it's a term that's not even used very often today, but a gumshoe is a private investigator, a detective if you will. <laughs> What does this mean as far as Open Door Baptist Church? Simply in the fact that every Wednesday at 7 p.m. we have our gumshoes class that seeks to discover what the Christian faith is, dig a little more deeper into who God and Jesus Christ is, the role of the Holy Spirit for our lives today. We do this through crafts, through activities, Bible lessons and teachings, and so if you have some children that you'd like to get involved as far as the Christian faith, Bible, learning more about God, we'd love to have them here Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., and watch out for that gum. Where are we getting all this information as far as the events that are happening here in the church? Well, I'll tell you where. Our website. This morning, been Our website. Young list.
1: people can make their way out to junior church at this time. Um, and uh, come back, and join us in a little bit. The rest of you, can turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter two this morning. Matthew chapter two. Thankful for your faithfulness uh, this morning in uh, attendance, and um, down a little bit in attendance today, but we got a lot of folks that are out sick. And so continue to pray those folks will get better. And also appreciate your faithfulness in your area giving. If you're watching online, we just had our offering. Uh, don't forget, you can give to the ministry on our app or on the website uh, online. We really appreciate your faithfulness in those areas. I met with the guys a couple Wednesdays ago, uh, early, first week in December or so, and went over where we were year to date. And, you know, so far it looks like we're about to— pretty much breaking even financially which is a, bl- a blessing uh obviously you know we, we i think it's going to be within a couple thousand dollars which is pretty good uh you know a couple years ago uh how long have you been on staff pastor danny has uh, it's been it's been four years and pastor cody about four years and that's not about right they don't remember, you know, you know, I came in 2007, or actually 2006, but, uh, but, you know, we took a big step of faith as a church, our size, to bring on more staff, and the Lord has met our need, and I want to thank you for your faithfulness in that area. All right, uh, Matthew chapter 2, uh, in your Bibles this morning, I, I, I had already to preach the second part of my Hanukkah series, but the Lord said, no, I want you to do something else, so uh, do a little more traditional Christmas uh, sermon this morning, and I went to Matthew chapter 2, and I've entitled this morning's message, Exceeding Great Joy. Exceeding Great Joy. Now, Christmas time tends to be, or many people consider it to be, the happiest time of the year. Now, that being said, I don't know, it used to be the little known fact that more suicides actually occur around Christmas than any other time of the year. Uh, So I, I... generally we consider that uh, the focus on material things uh, that, that do not satisfy. But, you know, I hope Christmas is a happy time. For every Christian, it should be as we celebrate uh, the birth of the Lord Jesus. And as Christians, you know, the, the, the challenge is never losing sight of what brings real happiness. And today I want to us to consider, how do we find exceeding great joy? And we're going to look at the story of some very wealthy men who, you know, materially are well off. Uh, Typically, they're referred to as the three wise men. Now, I know uh, uh, one of the famous songs, and we're going to sing a little bit of that this morning later because I know it'll irritate Brock because it is his favorite Christmas song of all time, We Three Kings of Orient Are... Um, you know, you say, what? And some of you laugh." But they're, they're, nowhere in the Bible does it tell us there were three of them. Matter of fact, very likely there were lots of them. Could have been in the hundreds that, that showed up in town. They made a they made a real stir when they came into Jerusalem, and it's doubtful that that three uh, magi. Uh, the Greek word here in, uh, for wise men is uh, the word magos. I wrote in my note, they were from the Trump campaign. They were the first MAGA men, apparently. (laughs) That's the word. It's the word, all right? Now, you know, we call, many people call magi from that word, and it comes the word that we get, magician. You know, you see the spelling. And and yet, these men were um, studied in many fields they were experts in science and medicine and all kinds of things of their day which is why the the idea of them being wise men is brings some you know is a, is a, is a fair term but we're going to look at the story of these men As they follow and they find the Lord Jesus, we're told, and we're going to begin our study tonight in Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come To worship him. And so we find these wise men, the Bible tells us they're from the east. Most people think they were from the city of Babylon. It makes the most sense. And uh, they leave Babylon in search of this king. And our text today is actually going to be out of the story uh, down in verse 10. All right, I'm going to take just a quick jaunt to verse 10, and we're going to come back and look at how we get there. All right, notice in verse 10, it says, when they, the wise men, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with Exceeding Great Joy. There's our title, Exceeding Great Joy. Joy The story ends with the wise men in the presence of the Messiah, and they had this very powerful worship experience that we find in verse number eleven, and we know you know the story where the, they come and they meet with Martha or Martha and Mary <laughs> and Joseph and Mary, and uh, they fell down and worshipped him, and when they 'd opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh and we, we know the story there As a matter of fact it 's an interesting study on worship that worship should contain fellowship. You know, other people, humility, falling down, and financial giving. All those are acts of worship. But it ends in verse 10 with exceeding great joy. Now, the question I have when I kept reading this is when did they find or experience this great joy? Well, verse 10 is pretty clear. It says, when they saw the star. When they saw the star. Now, I probably would have put in there, my exceeding great joy is when I saw the child. Fair enough, but the scripture says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now, I'm going to connect those two as we see these men took a great journey to find the Savior. Jesus is the goal. He's the focus. He's the reason for the season, and he still is today. Amen. I, as a very small illustration of taking a great journey, I had a little bit of an experience this the other day. Uh, you know, it was on a week night, uh, so I don't go out anymore in nights because, if you've seen those people out there shopping right now, <laughs> if somebody think there's inflation out there. Apparently, some people have not got the memo, um, but I ended up at the Bass Pro Shop, which I like. You know, now I understand. I know I own my Academy. Oh, Academy's cheaper. Yeah, but if if one of the stores has to go out of town, out of business, which store do you want to keep? Sorry. So uh, yeah, Academy. Or, or, yeah, Mr. Cheapskate over here at the Academy. all right? for the rest of us who want to have an experience in our shopping, we go to Bass Pro Shop. You know, and I'm walking in Bass Pro Shop, and as I'm walking in the front door, I have my phone, and all of a sudden, I it, you know it's going off, and I look down and and. Uh, Um, My favorite little person, Addie, I have a six-year-old autistic granddaughter, and she's FaceTiming me, which she likes to do. And if it had been any of you guys, I would have totally ignored it, but it was her. And so I answer it, and we're talking FaceTime, and one of her first questions is, Shay Shay, where are you? And I said, well, do I really want to tell her? And I said, well, I'll show her around. I'm in that main front lobby when you first come in the doors there, and there's that giant grizzly bear. Yeah, yeah. So I turned the camera around when I figured out how to do that. Um, and I, I showed her, and, and she said, you have yeah, back in her own little way, bath pro shop. She, she knew where I was. And I said, well, look at the big bear and all this kind of stuff. And and then she started saying, Shay, Shay, take me, take me. And I couldn't, I was trying to figure out, what is she saying? What is she saying? And Jenny says, she's saying, take me and show me Santa. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Santa, take me and show me Santa. So I go, oh, we can do this. She goes, Shay, Shay, I want to see Santa, you know, so... I said, okay, okay, okay. So we start the journey, the great journey through the Bass Pro Shop, following the little steps and the little fish along this, and I go down, and I, you know, the last time I'd ever looked for Santa there, you know, back in the boat section in the very back, they have the whole area, the big Santa, you know, kingdom back there. They have little fun games. You can play remote cars and archery, you know, and this is why, do they have that, that you can do at Academy, Ben? I don't think so. Don't think so. They don't give you air bow and arrows to play with at Academy. Um, they don't even let you look at their weapons. It's no, you can look through the case. Don't touch. At Bass Pro, we just hand them out. Um <laughs> anyway, I go to the back of the store, from the front of the store all the way in the back, and I go back there, and the only thing back there is boats. And I'm showing her, so there's no Santa here, Addie. There's no Santa. Now she's not really, she said, no Santa, and she said, Shay Shay, elevator, Shay Shay, elevator. I said, the elevator? Santa's never been upstairs, but I thought well, I don't know. I've been here a while. Maybe you know She apparently knows more than I do so we walk over and I'm still live streaming all this We're talking I'm showing her and we go to the elevator and we go up the elevator up there second floor and go over there And I think she just wanted to see the shooting range, which you know I can't blame her for that. They don't have one of those at Academy either do they um which is why Ben doesn't go, because he costs money, and the kids are all going, Give me, you know, it used to be a quarter to play that game. What is it now? $12 for, you know, 12 shots or something on their electronic one? But at any rate, I'm up there in the top thing, and I'm looking around, I'm walking around, now I'm looking, I'm looking, you know, you can look over the whole store. I thought, well, I'll use my strategic location to see the whole store, you know, at least I can see most of it. And I'm looking at one, I'm saying, Addy, the, the Santa's just not here, you know, I, I'm, I'm showing around, I can't find him anywhere, and she, she is not relenting, you know, Santa, Santa. Well, Fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, somebody else was walking around up there, some other caring parent, and understood the conversation I'm having and said, oh, they moved Santa down where the restaurant used to be. You know, they closed that, the Bass Pro Shop restaurant, which, you know, I kind of grieved. They closed that. They don't have one of those at Academy either, do they? They don't have, they don't have Bass Pro either, so I don't agree. But, but I ended up, I said, oh, so now I'm all up there. And they said, oh, yeah, he's, he's, the, the, the Santa's workshop's down there where the restaurant used to be. I said, oh, now I have to go all the way back to the front of the store where I started. So I have journeyed through the entirety of Bass Pro, looking at every fish and every big bear. And then, you know, I've taken on grizzly bears, wild boars, huge fish, and American shoppers all this time. You know, I've, I've taken them all on. And uh, I, I said, okay, so I go down the stairs. I don't take the elevator this time, which if you know me, I'm holding onto the railing because Jenny's making me, holding onto the railing, going down the stairs, get back down there, walk all the way around, get back in there, go to the place, oh, so it's pretty cool. We're going to the restaurant and there's There's Santa's workshop and all the little things, all activities and stuff. And there was hardly any others. A couple of kids there, that's it. It was pretty, you know, and I'm still FaceTiming and I'm walking, I walked to the little place where the little little Santa's helpers are, you know, I think they're called elves, you know, the elves are right there. And I I explained it to them while I'm walking up there. I talked to them, my granddaughter's on FaceTime, she has immunocompromised, she can't come into big crowds, so she can't come here in person. You know, is it a problem if I just show her Santa Claus? And they're like, oh, no, no, that's not a problem at all. So Jenny and I walk in, and I'm still showing her, and I show her the elves, and uh, she's going, Santa, Santa. So then I then he come around the corner, and there he is sitting over there, you know. And I said, well, there's Santa Claus, and, I, and I'm standing over about, about this far from him. He's over there sitting in his chair, and I'm sitting about this far away, and I'm showing her, you know, Santa Claus. And Santa Claus sits, he's over here, sitting in his, his whatever it is, his St. Nick throne. Nick, I'm sure, and he goes, he goes, young man, come sit down. <laughs> And you think I'm lying, but I'm not. Take a look at this. (laughs) There is me and Santa FaceTiming with Addie Bure, who's now talking to Santa. (laughs) And I want you to know there is only one person on this planet that could get me to do that. And unfortunately, I was FaceTiming with that person. He was very gracious, by the way, although we started asking, I, you know, I said, I, I made the mistake of look, talking to Addie, and I said, I said, uh, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And Santa goes, young man, those are my questions to ask, thank you. <laughs> I said, well, you go ahead, she ain't gonna talk to you, <laughs> I can tell you that. He was really a really nice nice guy that does a lot of work with special needs kids and I think it made his night um, more than anything else you know he just just loved it but I I was telling Jenny I was laughing saying I took this great journey and I ended up this place that the only one person because of the love I have for her and I thought about in a a very micro fashion you know the wise men take this long journey and, and Jesus is the reason for the journey and I hope that as Christians that we value enough him enough to seek him. And um, throughout this story, though, uh, I was on FaceTime being guided by a six-year-old autistic girl, but the wise men were on this great journey, and we noticed that the star plays this big role, and it leads them to the very presence of the God-man, the Lord Jesus. And I it was really interesting how they got there, the process. Now we've seen in verses 1 and 2 that the wise men show up in Jerusalem and they, they go to King Herod and they, they ask him, you know, where is he is born king of the Jews? Now they tell him we've seen his star and they saw it first from their home in Babylon and the question would come up, how, how did they even know to be looking for a star? I mean, there's billions of stars up there. How, how did they even know? Um, now some people think, That the star was an actual star and if it was and if it could have been but as we read this story we're gonna find that the star appears and disappears and it moves up and down and it it starts and stops and it moves east and west this is a very strange behavior for any normal star Um, and what would happen if a literal star Came down to rooftop level here on our planet. What would that do to the gravitational issues around? <laughs> It'd be poosh. Yeah, what do you? It It'd blow up the whole world. Link, Lincoln's right. Now I know they say, well, that's God can do whatever and God can do whatever. But we find that if you read throughout the biblical story from Genesis on, I, I, I that, that he could have done that. But I, I, I think a more Plausible or a—I shouldn't say plausible because God can do whatever he wants to do—but I think a better uh, biblical explanation is that the star was a brightness of the visible manifestation of the presence of God. Throughout the scriptures, uh, we refer to it as the Shekinah glory. just because you see something bright light can certainly be considered a star. I remember many years ago, Jen and I early in our marriage, uh, Jenny and I made a, a decision very early in our marriage that every year her and I would go away together and put her and I as a priority. We would, if it meant the kids didn't get as many Christmas gifts, Too bad, so sad. And that's really bad for them because our anniversary is December 28th. So (laughs) it was a bad time for them, you know? But I said, you know what? You and I are first. And we started taking trips together, you know, uh, when my mother-in-law, thank you, mom-in-law, she would watch the kids and we would fly off different places. And we used to go uh, from Northern Illinois and we'd fly to San Antonio, actually from Indiana to San Antonio. And we'd go on the river walk. Anybody ever been on the river walk in San Antonio? Ever been there? It's fantastic. Well, we were on the Riverwalk, and it was Christmas season, and they they, they do these little floats, and, and, and they would do the whole Christmas story on these little boats in, in, on the Riverwalk, and it, it all ended down by where the hotel was. There's there's a big Marriott Hotel down there, and it, and it comes down and kind of does a circle down there, and and they did this. They had music going. It was really fantastic. People were everywhere, and Jen and I were watching this, and at one point, the, the, the wise men are coming down, and all of a sudden, it, it, it really dark, but this this star it illuminates the whole area and I'll forget they had it they had it rigged up on on like different cables so like 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 the thing and they do with football where they can follow the the action it's kind of that kind of deal and it could come down it went over here and I'm telling you what it looked like a star had come right down there and if I if you just said what did you see well I saw a star um no really it was it was it was lights and different things but bottom line is, whether it was a real star, you know, a physical star that goes out in the universe, or if it's Shekinah glory, we know that these, these men saw it as a star and followed it. And when you consider the Bible, consider in the Old Testament. Remember when the children of Israel were, uh, had to find their way, and they left Egypt, and what did God do? He came down as a pillar of fire. Or remember when the transfiguration of Jesus, when he Unveiled his flesh and showed them his deity. If you read that story, he's shown as the bright light, the presence of God. But it's still interesting. How did these guys, these wise men, know to be looking for a bright light? We know, again, they're from Babylon. But what we can deduct from that is they very likely, well, I believe they did, have the, the writings of some of the Old Testament scripture, specifically the writings of Daniel. And they also had the writings of another Babylonian prophet, a man by the name of Balaam. Anybody remember Balaam? Remember him, you know, the, the donkey, and, and, and he was supposed to curse Israel. But every time he tried to curse Israel, blessing came out. And, and Balaam, in Numbers chapter Chapter number 24 makes a very interesting prophecy concerning the Messiah. Uh, the Bible says in Numbers twenty-four sixteen, He hath said which heard the words of God and knew the knowledge of the Most High, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. Here's what he says. God tells him, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab. These guys knew to be looking, they had the timing from the 70 weeks of Daniel's writing, and they knew they should be looking for some kind of star from Balaam, and so they knew the time and what to look for. And bottom line was, the reason they knew is the scriptures. How do you and I find a relationship with God through the scriptures? If you want exceeding great joy in Jesus, it begins with the study of the scriptures. You know, the Bible, you guys know the verses, Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Isaiah 30, 21, in nine ears shall hear a word behind me saying, this is the way, walk ye in it, when to turn ye to the right hand and when to turn to the left hand. Isn't it nice to know when God directs you what you should do? You ever have parts of your life where you don't know what to do? Boy, I've had all kinds of them. Oh, it's a wonderful time when I get a word from the Lord saying, this is the way you go, walk ye in it. You see, God always, if you don't know him as your personal Savior, is calling you to himself. And as you're a child of God, he's always leading us to a greater walk and greater light. As John chapter 1 reminds us, where John Baptist shows up, a man sent from God, his name was John, came to be a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Simple faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And you know, with what they knew... They were looking for this star, and the star appears, and then it seems to disappear. You know, it doesn't tell us in the text that when the star initially appeared to them over in Babylon, that it stayed and showed them all the way to Jerusalem. That, that is not, it's not really, you'd be reading that into the story. It appears... And then they take the information they know from the scriptures. And as I put in my notes, they shamgar it. They started acting in faith upon what they knew. Now, according to Balaam's prophecies, the star was going to be out of Jacob and the scepter was going to rise in Israel. So what they did know is when the star shows up at the appointed time and they were looking for the, this and all of a sudden they're looking in the sky and a star shows up, that was their sign that the prophecy that God gave through Balaam was, about to, was unfolding right before their very eyes. And what they did know was that this new, this new king was going to be Jewish. That he was out of Jacob and out of Israel. Now if you were a wise man and you said there's this new king and he's of Jewish descent... Where would you go? If you have any kind of deductive reason, you go to Jerusalem. Where do we find they go? Jerusalem. They show up there, trying to find, expecting to find the Messiah there, but they don't find him there. Now notice in our story, verse number three, it says, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all his chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not thou least among the princes of Judah? And out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel? Then Herod, when he had privily, privately, called the wise men, inquired of them diligently, What time the star appeared? And he he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also." Now, notice who's also interested in the star, and as we move on in the story, the wise men show up, say, we saw this star, and Herod, everybody's all kind of up in arms, all these men show up, these wise men from Babylon, make this big entrance into town, asking where the the new king is, and Herod is all of a sudden interested in this star. The king, the, the, the leader of that area under Roman rule, and we know Herod was a really wicked man, and we know he wants to know what time the star appears so he can figure out the approximate age of the baby Messiah because he'd already in his mind was planning to murder babies. That seems to not have gone out of style either, has not it? Murder of Jewish babies. Our flag's still out there. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, and Herod, is, he's, he's not a good guy. But what he does, he doesn't know the answer, but he knows the people who will. He calls the priests and the, the Pharisees and the scribes and calls them in and says, where should this Messiah be born? And they got these wise men here asking about it. And then the, the, the priests say, well, uh, the scripture says, and they in quote scripture that he's going to be in Bethlehem. Now notice the process here. Herod then sends away the priests and the scribes. And then Herod privately calls the wise men back and says, go to Bethlehem and then let me know when you find this king. You know, Herod has, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a not a good guy. And we know the reasons he wanted to find this newborn king. But what I found interesting, isn't it amazing that God used an evil man to get the wise men closer to the presence of Jesus? I'll say that again. God used, arguably, the most evil man of the day to get the wise men to a closer proximity to the Savior. Ooh. Do you know that God oftentimes uses people like Herod who are selfish, fear aggressive, dishonest? These are the people that cause pain seemingly everywhere they go, but often they're the very ones that God will use to bring us closer to Him. I'm not a big fan of the King Herods. Are you? Probably if I were to ask you, anybody got somebody in your family that reminds you of King Herod? (laughs) See, I can tell. You already, and if you're not thinking of anybody, you are that person, so... um, we all have people in our lives maybe it's your workplace like I said, maybe it's in your family who knows around you they're, they're just people that are selfish and, and mean and dishonest and manipulative and all these things and sometimes we say God I, I don't want to do with these people but yet they keep coming into my life and then we get you know why God are they causing all this pain in my life I'm, all I can tell you is a lot of times God uses those very people to bring us to a place that's closer to him you see once Herod does this and Herod comes and tells the wise men this, in verse number nine, notice it says, When they heard the king, they departed. Here it is again. They hear the king. Who gives them this information, by the way, you know, they doesn't seem to tell where he got this information. I think it would have meant more to the wise men if Herod would have said, you know, the biblical experts, the priests and the scribes of, 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 the, of the study of the scriptures, they told me this. No, he just tells them, hey, I hear he's down in, in born in Bethlehem. And as soon as they get this more information, what do they do? They boom, they move, they act. They act upon what they know and they head towards Bethlehem. Now it goes on and says, And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. So now they know the town. It's nighttime. It's a farming area. It's fairly large. And now where do they go? Now they got King Herod saying, I want to know when you find out where he is. They no, they're really close, but now what? Their information thread is now empty. And that's when the Bible says, now the star reappears. And this is what brings them exceeding great joy. They'd studied the scriptures, acted in faith and followed in faith. God had dealt with, used Herod, and yet they continued on through this wicked guy, you know, even having to encounter him. And now the star reappears. God shows up again, and the glory of God takes them to the exact spot. And the star, the, the, the revelation of the manifestation of God, the glory of God hovers right above the Son of God, just like God the Father and God the Spirit do at the baptism of Jesus and again at the transfiguration, where we hear the very voice of God. The star shows up. And now they're like, we're going to get there. Don't you love it when God shows up? Um, you say, what do you mean? Well, you, you tell me there's not times in your life where you don't think God's not, you can't see him and you don't hear him and you say, God, where are you? I've had a lot of those times in my life. But I want you, as we close this morning, do you see the pattern I want you to see the pattern that the scripture has given us here through the wise men. You won't get more from God until you act in obedience upon what you already know. Let me say that again. This is the pattern, the truth that we see in their story. You won't get more from God until you act in obedience upon what you already know. It's amazing how many of us as Christians want God to keep telling us everything, but we know the things we should be doing, but we don't do those. We're given clear information about how we should or should not live, and we say, well, I don't, oh, oh, that, that, I don't, I don't want to do that. And then, but then we want God when we're in a, we're in a mess or we, we have some desire. God, why are not you showed up? Why don't you tell me anything? Well, are you following in obedience to, have you left Babylon and gone to even Jerusalem yet? They must have been maybe a little bit exasperated once they've done all these things and they don't know what else to do and then the star shows up and they're thrilled and God leads them again where Jesus is and this time that star is real up close and personal. Right there at the house, right above where Jesus is, right where, you know, I think when they saw it in Babylon, it was this light in the sky. Now it's right over the, the manger scene. You see, they spent most of their journey with no star. Sometimes we have this mindset that, oh, I'm you know, God gave them a star. If I had you know, most of their journey, no star. But God revealed Himself at the points along the way where God felt and knew it was best for them, and God showed up when God, in His sovereignty, chose to show up in a different manifestation. God showed up for the Israelites as a pillar of fire when they were seemingly trapped. God showed up for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when? In the fiery furnace. <laughs> I like it better when he shows up before I get in the furnace. God shows up for Daniel when he was outlawed for praying. You couldn't pray to Jehovah, and Daniel said, Oh, I don't think so. I'm going to keep praying. And when does, God, when does God show up? In the lion's den. God shows up for Peter after obediently preaching the gospel. God sends an angel when Peter's in prison. God shows up for Elijah at the brook and then at the widow's house after he boldly obeys and goes and tells King Ahab there's going to be no rain. God shows up for King Hezekiah after Sennacherib has his Jerusalem surrounded with hundreds of thousands of Assyrian soldiers, but, you know, God sent one angel and you know, leveled the playing field, so to speak. What joy it is when the star appears. As the psalmist said, when our heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. As you think of your life as I close this morning, do you remember times in your life, if you're a Christian here this morning, where God showed up? I hope if you do know him, the moment that you trusted Christ is the time where God showed up. Because none of us seek God. God is, draws us to himself. And as myself, when I was a seven-year-old kid at Lovejoy Covenant Church, a person up there explaining the gospel, and God impressed on my heart and said, Ken, you need to trust me as your personal Savior. I want to bring you to heaven. And I said yes to God. When I was in high school, I was planning on going into a state university, had earned a scholarship to the University of Illinois, and that's where my intent was to go, and in my senior year, went to a Christian camp at the Wilds, and during that camp, God convicted me that I was not being obedient to my parents, and I surrendered to God's call, and God showed up in that that preaching service. and. I went home and I told mom and dad, what is it you want me to do? And my dad said, I want you to go one year to a Christian college, at least one year to a Christian college. I went to the Christian college and started in business. You know, I was going to make a lot of money and give it away to missionaries, needy missionaries, um, and computer science. And I did that. And then as I was there in the Christian college and God at Pensacola Christian and God got a hold of my life. I remember when God showed up one time, he, uh, he allowed me to get very, very sick during the soccer season, by the way, missed a very critical playoff game. But nonetheless, I was in the infirmary and at Pensacola, if you go in infirmary, it's like going into prison. Uh, they don't let you do anything in there. You get strip searched on your way in. Am I right, Joe? And that's about it is. And, and I was in that infirmary and I knew why I was in that infirmary I knew I knew I knew why I knew it was because I'd been telling God he'd been saying I want you to surrender to ministry I want you to surrender to do what I want you to do and I said no nope 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 until God said okay I'm gonna show up and there in that sick room I got on my knees and said okay God I'm done I give true story I got out of that thing I called my dad on the payphone payphone days I Said, dad God wants me to change my ministry from business to pastoral Bible studies. God showed up. God showed up after I got out of college and I somehow managed to go four years of Christian college without finding a wife. (laughs) I know you find that hard to believe, Um, but I did. Somehow I managed to do it. I remember the day I ran into Jennifer DeAnne and I said, ooh. Went home after our second date, and I forget when God showed up, and I was driving home from our second date, and I knew, and God said, yep, she's the one. I went home and told my mom and dad, true story, after our second date, that's the one I'm going to marry six months later. Truth be told, we married, and uh, that's to uh, be 36 years here to, in a few days. I remember when God showed up, when I was in my career, I started in, say, uh, in the Christian school, as a Christian school teacher. Then I went off into sales, because I couldn't afford to... <laughs> true story, couldn't afford to be... So I was in this sales job that I absolutely hated selling copiers taught us how to lie that's what training you're you're gonna go in training you know what training was? how to lie to people they had one video that pretty much that was the title of the video and I remember I hated this job and I remember I had this terrible morning and it was lunchtime and I went to this Wendy's on the south side of Rockford town about the size of Montgomery and on the payphone again for you there was a day before cell phones right? And I'm on this payphone, I'm talking to Jenny, and I'm calling her, and I said, Hun, I want to quit my job. I hate this. I don't know what we're going to do. But I hate this. And I'm on the phone, and I said, you know, at our church, there's a guy that I own at church, a friend of my mom and dad's. I know he's a manager of this property management company. And I said, maybe Ted, maybe Ted would have a, something open in his company. I know he hires people. Maybe he's got some job. And I'm on the phone, and I'm, I'm leaning against the wall, the Wendy's. You know, Wendy's is a great place to go. And, I, well, not as good as Chick-fil-A, Gabe, but almost. And I'm at Wendy's. I'm looking, and I'm looking at the road going by, and it's a four-lane road like Cobb's Ford. And the true story, I'm on the phone. And I tell her, I said, you know, maybe Ted's got something. And he had a company van that I was very familiar with. That van drove right by. This is a true story. I told Jenny, I got to go. She'll tell you, I pretty much hung up on her, run to my car. I'm looking down the Where's he going? And I, and I thought, I know this guy. He didn't go to Wendy's. He's a big management guy. He went to Ponderosa. He went and got a steak. Went and found him at the Ponderosa Steakhouse. Ended up with a job, made us move to a place, started at a new church, a church that I ended up surrendering to full-time ministry and was ordained at. God showed up. God has shown up through my life in some very powerful ways. But the older I've gotten in my faith, the more that those times the expectation that God has is complete obedience. And if you want God to give you a star and feel his presence, you're not going to get more from God until you act in obedience upon what you already know. And when you do and God gets you to where he wants to get you, which is closer to him, it always results in exceeding great joy. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you for the teaching of your word. Uh, Thank you for um, your mercy that you came and dwelt among us and became a visible manifestation of yourself that you could identify with us and be our substitute and die on a cross and rise again. Holy Spirit of God, I pray for every person here, if someone here or someone watching online doesn't know you as our personal Savior. My dear friend, I pray that right where you are, would you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Would you believe him for eternal life? And dear Christian, maybe there's going on in things in your life and you're saying, well, I need God to show up, I need God to show up. Are you being obedient to what God's asking you to do? And if he is, take the journey to Jerusalem and look for the star. Holy Spirit of God, seal decisions in our hearts today, in Jesus' name, Amen. Would you please stand? We're going to sing a verse invitation this morning, and uh, as we sing, do I give you a verse? Did I give you an invitation song? I didn't give you an invitation. You know what we're going to do? You guys stand. Lydia, you can take the morning off. All right.